You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. The FBI takedown of VPN filter may have averted a major state-directed campaign, but the story is still developing. Some discount Android phones come with preloaded software. Amazon's Echo echoed a little too much. BMW patches some potentially serious vulnerabilities in its connected cars. Cryptocurrency exchanges are hit by a double-spending crook. The U.S. Justice Department investigates crypto exchange price manipulation. New charges have been filed in the December Kansas swatting death. And GDPR is now with us. Let the lawsuits begin. From the CyberWire studios at Datatribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Friday, May 25th, 2018. The U.S. FBI is generally being credited with having placed a significant impediment in front of a VPN filter attack. Widely regarded as the work of Fancy Bear, Russia's military intelligence service, GRU, which goes by other names as well, including Sophocy and APT-28, VPN filter appeared poised for a major campaign against Ukraine. The two suspected triggering events, tomorrow's football Champions League match in Kiev, Real Madrid versus Liverpool, and Ukraine's Constitution Day, June 28th, remain in the future, so we'll see how well the Bureau did. But so far, bravo, FBI. Should such an attack materialize, it's unlikely to be easily contained within Ukraine. The country has been patient zero for other attacks that have gone global, notably not Petya, also widely regarded as made in Russia. VPN filter is regarded as capable of accomplishing the usual things a botnet can do, so the case will bear watching. Security firm Avast warns that it's found a number of discount Android phones that shipped from factory to customer with malware already installed in their firmware. It's adware, and it's called Kosaloon. It's the work of a criminal group that was uncovered in 2016 by researchers at the security company Dr. Webb. They're back in or still in business. It's the same Kosaloon code, unchanged since it first appeared. According to Avast, this time around, the affected phones are from manufacturers including ZTE, Arcos, and MyPhone. The majority of the infected devices aren't, according to Avast, certified by Google, which is pursuing various mitigations and talking to the firmware vendors. Most of the problematic phones are in Russia, Italy, Germany, and the UK, with some in the US as well. 
This case is interesting because the infection point seems so far to be unidentified. Someone, however, has clearly managed to compromise a supply chain. Amazon acknowledges that Alexa's Echo was reporting ambient conversations to third-party contacts. The company is working on a fix. Here's Amazon's account of what happened, as they explained it to Wired. Quote, Echo woke up due to a word in a background conversation sounding like Alexa. Then the subsequent conversation was heard as a send message request, at which point Alexa said out loud, to whom? At which point the background conversation was interpreted as a name in the customer's contact list. Alexa then asked aloud, contact name, right? Alexa then interpreted background conversation as right, end quote. What's the lesson? We're building AI along the lines of a selectively attentive teenager. We hope that teenager grows up to be okay. You parents out there will understand. And we'll leave Google's Eric Schmidt to argue over AI with Elon Musk about whether AI will be a force for good or for bad. Probably both, but then we're just betting on form because we know people. Not any special people, just people in general. We kind of like Alexa, When our editors hear Alexa read the daily summary, the editor finds himself convinced of the accuracy of our copy by the conviction with which Alexa reads it. BMW has patched 14 bugs in its connected car models. They were discovered and disclosed by Tencent's Keen Security Lab. Some of them could have affected control systems. The attack surfaces include, according to Tencent, GSM Communication, BMW Remote Service, BMW Connected Drive Service, UDS Remote Diagnosis, NGTP Protocol, and Bluetooth Protocol. It's possible to work through these, individually or in various combinations, to reach some vehicle's CAN bus, the controller area network, and that's the serious part. No thinking person would regard inability to use Bluetooth to tell the car radio to tune into Howard Stern as a serious vulnerability. It might even be regarded as a feature. But when you've got the CAN bus, you're close to having pwned the car. With the CAN bus compromised, it's possible in some models to interfere with steering, brakes, accelerator, and other controls. So this is more serious than changing radio stations or turning on the windshield wipers. A hacker so far unidentified has for the past week been hitting Bitcoin exchanges with a double-spend campaign. As the attack type's name implies... He, she, or they were spending the same Bitcoin gold coins twice, pulling in about $18 million in the cryptocurrency. The immature and overheated cryptocurrency market has predictably spawned a great deal of fraud. The U.S. Justice Department, working with the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, has opened a wide-ranging criminal probe of market manipulation. They're concentrating on such fraudulent practices as spoofing, placing bogus orders to goose prices, pump-and-dump schemes, and so forth. There's enough here to keep justice busy and happy for a good long investigatory run. Good hunting, counselors. And finally, GDPR is in effect today, with its expected worldwide implications. Microsoft, for example, is going to treat essentially everyone in the world as if they're covered by the regulation. And right on cue, the first legal complaints of GDPR violations have been filed— One long-term Facebook critic has entered a complaint that Facebook and other platforms' take-it-or-leave-it, Hobson's Choice approach to obtaining consent amounts to improper coercion. 
How GDPR will affect people and enterprises generally remains to be seen. The advocacy group Privacy International has begun its own investigation of what it characterizes as shadowy, non-customer-facing data companies that accumulate large quantities of personal information. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And joining me once again is Joe Kerrigan. He's from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Joe, welcome back. Hi, Dave. So uh, had an article come by. This was on Bleeping Computer, and the article was Malware Found in the Firmware of 141 Low-Cost Android Devices. Yep. Um, and I wanted to use this sort of as a launching point, uh, a discussion about mobile device security and wade into the waters of iOS versus Android. Now, uh, I <laughs> we're, am... We're going to have a fight. Huh? I know. <laughs> Hopefully it won't come to blows. But uh, I am on the iOS side, and you are on the Android side. And I think one thing that leaves us iOS people scratching our heads is that um, when we see all these security stories about Android... Um, we wonder, are you guys nuts for uh, for using Android <laughs> devices? But right. but there are plenty of good reasons for using Android. But I wanted to touch on the security side. I mean, how do you approach it? Obviously, security is important to you. Knowing yep. what you know, how do you make sure that your Android device uh, doesn't have these problems? Okay, so first off, I will say that Apple does a very good job of security. A lot of staff at the Institute use Apple for just that reason. Mm. Uh, they have always taken security very seriously. Google also takes security pretty seriously as well. Uh, the difference here is that Apple is a very locked-in and proprietary system where they maintain a lot of control over their hardware and their software, not only their software, but everybody else's software that goes in there. And Android is a lot less so. Right. It's more of an open development platform. The operating system is actually open source, so anybody can install it if they want. 
that is not the case with Apple. So from a security standpoint, particularly with this article here, you're looking at these low-cost manufacturers. It harkens back to they. Nobody knows where this is getting installed. They don't know where in the where in the supply chain it's coming into the phones. Hmm. That's because these supply chains are not well managed as other major manufacturers. Now, if what's missing from the list are major manufacturers like uh, Motorola, Samsung, HTC, right. LG, they're not on the list. So most of our listeners probably don't need to worry about it. But if you're looking at a low-cost Android device, yeah, chances are you're running a risk there. Security. And, of course, on the iOS side, there are no low-cost iOS no, devices. No, that's right? exactly right. That, and <laughs> right. That's exactly right. But, you know, and maybe perhaps you could say on the Android side, there are no secure low-cost options mm-hmm, for Android. Mm-hmm. What about just general app hygiene? I mean, since you you don't have to go through Google's walled garden, you can sideload apps. Is you, that something you, can, you, you but, avoid? Yeah, you should not do that. But again, because the operating system is a little more open, you have the capability of doing that. You know, it's like having a swimming pool. You know, it's it's one of the most dangerous things you can do to your house, but you can just walk out back and take a swim anytime you want. Right. It's the only <laughs> recreational activity where you have a full-time person standing by to make sure you don't die. Right. Right. <laughs> I will say this, though. Um, my next Android phone will be the Google device. Mm. And I'm going to do my best to stick with those Google devices because they're in more control over the environment than, say, a third-party developer like Samsung, LG, or HTC is. So you're going to get those updates more quickly from right. Google. And you're going to have less of a configuration management problem. Like, for example, when the stage fright vulnerability came out, Samsung had no idea, and I had a Samsung phone at the time, Samsung was was really lagging behind because they had five or six different models of the phone that they, that they supported across four or five different carriers. I see. Well, that's that's a real problem for them. Mm-hmm. But Google doesn't have that. Google makes one model of the, of the phone, one or two models, because they have two different technologies for cell phone networks, uh, and they support those. It, it's the same thing that Apple does with, with the iPhone. Right. They have one, one or two models, and then they will end-of-life them which you have to do with these phones for security reasons. Right, so they're not orphaned out there. Correct. All right, good information as always, Joe. Are we still friends? Yes, of course. All right, terrific. <laughs> All right, well, as always, thanks for coming, Joe. It's my pleasure. Good here. talking to you. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. My guest today is Michelle Kwan. She's the founder and CEO of MKA Cyber, and she has more than 35 years of experience in IT and security. Michelle served as the deputy director for IT security staff at the United States Department of Justice where she built the first Justice Security Operations Center, JSOC, to monitor and defend the DOJ network against cyber threats. Michelle previously served as Vice President of Public Sector Security for RSA Security and as the Director for the United States Computer Emergency Readiness Team, that's U.S. CERT. 
I asked her where she thinks we stand today when it comes to security operations centers or SOCs. I think we're in a, a unique position. I think we have had a lot of over the past, we can almost say 20 years, but more recently, even five years, we've had a lot of scary things happen. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of our socks are being driven by scary things because some of the attacks that we have had or most of the attacks are kind of hard to understand from a technical aspect and definitely hard to understand how to detect them. We've created this culture of a hero, of a highly technical person who detects something and understands it. And therefore, we put a lot of trust into that hero and we allow that hero to run our sock. And what we've realized as of late is that may not be the best solution. Though we need that hero to do the detection, that hero may not know the business. That hero may not be good at running a little mini business, which, you know, a sock or any, any organization is a little, mid, little mini business. We need to move to a place where we understand what's happening, how we're spending our money, if we're doing it efficiently, and if we're approaching the problem methodically, not just the things that interest the analysts, but the things that need to be done. So I think what's happened is in SOC is a lot of SOCs fail because of lack of business organization and lack of an ability to manage. You hear a lot of people befuddled with, uh, how do I come up with SOC metrics? Uh, well, you can only come up with SOC metrics if you have a process and you gather statistics from that process so that you can measure that is sorely lacking in most socks today because we allow an organic process because we're afraid to manage the smart people. We're beginning to realize the smart people like us to be more organized and they like it when they have more money and more tools. So if we can come to some kind of a, a good arrangement where we have a good sock process, we have the data that the analysts actually need. We organize it in a good way. We document our processes and make the things we find repeatable so that other people can monitor the repeatable things and the smart people can continue hunting and finding new things. Then we've made everybody happy. We've made the smart people happy and we can measure and improve and report out how well we're doing things. That's really important. And I, I, I'm really happy that we're moving to this place in SOC. And part of what drives us to this new place is uh, many people are moving towards a managed service solution because the other is just too difficult to articulate the benefit and the cost. Whereas uh, moving to an MSSP model, the onus is on the MSSP to then articulate its worth. Do you think it's a matter of um, people perhaps not knowing the right questions to ask when they're out there shopping around? Oh, absolutely. We see a lot of questions around SLAs and around buzzwords um, without a lot of understanding. A lot of companies don't understand what their threat model is and what types of attacks 
they should be looking to have detected. And I think those two pieces are critical and important when shopping for an outsourced sock. I also think it's important to understand what your security architecture looks like, um, what your assets are, your high value targets, understanding, you know, something about what you are and what you're made of and what could possibly be attacked and articulating that to the vendor so that they can then articulate back how they can detect and help you and what their capability would be based on the data you would give them. Um, I don't think that's where the discussion is today. I think the discussion is still back on um, tier one, tier two, tier three, 24 by seven, how many bodies. And that's not the same discussion as I have this problem, how do you solve it? We're still pretty far apart in in those discussions. And I think that's where we're going to see a lot of growth in the next coming years is, is looking at how do you articulate your needs from a SOC? And then how does that outsource SOC meet that need? I want to switch gears a little bit and and uh, discuss um, your career. Uh, you've been in the business for a while now in IT and, and cybersecurity. Um, and I'm curious uh, what your views are on diversity. Having, uh, having come up through the business um, a while ago, uh, where, do you, where do you see us standing today when it comes to um, making sure that we have the diversity that, uh, that we need? We're a long way from there. Having just come back from the RSA conference and watching the sea of white male faces coming out of the conference doors, we're a long way from there. And I think it's important to look at this situation because it's really hard to get good, broad answers when everyone looks the same. It's really easy to have conversation when everyone is the same uh, and thinks alike and has the same belief structures and, and brings the same way of thinking to the table. The conversations are easy. When the conversations are hard is when we get a better result. There's a natural tension there, though, because uh, it makes sense that uh, human nature would be to shy away from having those hard discussions. Absolutely. And human nature makes us pick people like we are. And human nature gives us unconscious bias. And we have to move to being aware of that. We have to put things in place that allow us to push back on that unconscious bias. And that's hard because, you know, it's unconscious. We're not thinking about it. Hmm. So putting some safeguards in place so that we think more broadly, it's a hard thing to do. We really have to move in those directions. We do it at our company in our hiring process. We have it wrapped into our corporate docs that for our C-level and our board, we have to interview at least one person of diversity when filling those positions. And that seems so simple and it seems so light, but in the end, it's create, we have a very diverse board and a very diverse C-level. That's critical and important. We do what we call anonymous hiring. Uh, we take every piece of information that would tell us anything about the person's race, religion, sex out of the resume so that when we hire people, we're at least going through the first few screening steps not knowing anything about the person's diversity. We have found that that has created a very diverse workforce and allowed us to put away unconscious bias 
and hire people based on technical competency. And uh, it's been hard for some managers. We've had actually some senior managers leave us not wanting to hire that way. And that's okay. In accepting diversity, we accept those challenges because it brings us a better workforce. That's Michelle Kwan from MKA Cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for Cyberwire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.